0: This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 258 of The Yale Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko for this timely show, I guess, because it's Friday night and Borussia Dortmund play against Freiburg on Saturday afternoons. So um, quickly here with me, Matthias Zuck. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Stefan. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well as well.
0: Yes, I am. Uh, I'm sorry that we could not record yesterday, but I was uh, away on business, so um this is why it's Friday night. Matthias, we have to talk about Borussia Dortmund's um, 2-1 win against Mainz and the scoreless draw against Borussia And as previously mentioned, the upcoming match against Freiburg, where Dortmund will definitely defend the lead in the table because it's still four points over Gladbach but uh, before we dive in I want to thank and announce that this episode is sponsored by Brian Durbka, who uh, contributed on Patreon and will receive a nice stadium collector's cup and uh, yes on Monday I have finally time to go to the post office so Marty Miller and uh, Jeff Isaacs will all get their things thanks again guys um, so, Matthias, in our uh, lengthy and elaborate pre-pod discussion, <laughs> uh, you already hinted at your opinion that you thought Minds have deserved a point, and I agreed. So um, now it's on you, however, to tell me why you think Minds deserved the point in this very tight affair.
1: Well, I think they played extremely well. Um, they pressed Dortmund they made life very very difficult for Dortmund i think in the first half they were um maybe a little bit more passive you know they only really started pressing Dortmund when Dortmund kind of got into their half but then in the second half you immediately saw it right off after kickoff there was uh, a true gegenpressing uh high up the pitch uh, not allowing Dortmund to play out of the back and Dortmund had a very difficult time adjusting to that initially. Uh, eventually, they kind of came to terms with it, but Mainz had their chances. Uh, and Sandro Schwarz, once again, uh, a thorn in the side of Borussia Dortmund. Of course, at, towards the end of last season, Mainz beat Dortmund, which kind of saved Mainz's bacon um, and made life very difficult for Dortmund and trying to get to the Champions League still at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, no, I think Mainz played very, very well. Definitely deserved more. They deserved a point. Uh, Dortmund shouldn't have, couldn't have complained had it been a draw uh, given. Not that Dortmund didn't play well, but in my opinion, Mainz did play very well. And Sandro Schwarz had a very good match plan and tactical plan going into it. First half and second half. I think he made some slight tweaks going to the second half that proved that mines were very, very good. And it showed, again, why they are so good defensively. They're extremely solid, very hard to break down. Um, it really took a few good moments from Dalton to do it. Granted, they did have some higher scoring opportunities they didn't use, but still, uh, mines made it very, very difficult for them and can feel hard done by by not getting a point. Dalton, of course. This is, these are kind of those matches you always say where you have a difficult opponent that really could have deserved a point, but somehow you managed to get all three points. And that's the quote unquote sign of a champion and Dortmund are just in that kind of swing of things and that groove that even matches, I'm not saying they didn't play well, but where the opponent played well, that Dortmund still managed to get the win, and Paco still manages to score with what may have been his second touch of the ball?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um It was interesting to see how much Dortmund struggled. Um I don't think it took anyone by surprise because everyone knows that Mainz can ball, and uh, I think they put their back five to a very good use. Um, certainly, what did not help for Dortmund is that I thought um, Jaden Sancho had an absolutely atrocious game. Um, he did not win uh, many dribbles, lost the ball often, had a lot of mystery passes and giveaways that uh, I think yielded in in a chance almost every time for for mine. So at least a half chance. Um, it just wasn't his game even though then in a a, what was it 66 minutes he placed this outrageous pass to to Marco Royce, who's then free on goal and squares it to Alcasa who then just gets a tap in um and I thought okay um Dortmund did not look they were going to allow a lot of chances um I, I was a bit I guess um I don't want to say irked, but confused why um, Delaney played next to Witzel, because I, I thought that really um, hampered Dortmund's chances to progress the ball into the final third, which uh, wasn't really easy for them, anywho. And Delaney, as we all know, only plays really great balls when he has zero pressure and can play like a long diagonal ball. But uh, on the ground, his vertical passes almost never happen. So... um I was hoping for Dahoud, but as we've seen on Wednesday in the scoreless draw against Bruce, um, that's not always the case that he's doing much better in that category. So, um, there's that. But back to the minds game. Um, yeah, there were a couple of, of, um, yeah, players who did not have their best game. Um, but I really like the idea of, uh, starting Gotze first again, even though it was an unthankful job for him. But, uh, you know, he is, Still, um, yeah, helping Dortmund to, to break down the play, especially in the second half at the beginning, first 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I thought that Favre gave the players the instruction to find Götze a little bit more often and pick him out better. And uh, <laughs> that immediately helped Götze to, um, you know, create a couple of chances. So if you give him, the ball in in this situation he can usually make something of it and of course subbing then on Alcacer and him scoring is just uh audacious I think in the Bundesliga he has now scored with uh, every shot on target which is nine nine goals it's quite uh the amazing scoring run and I assume will not last and then uh yeah Robin Quaison. I thought that goal was a little bit lucky um, that Mainz scored just because Witzel perfectly deflected the ball into uh, Kwaeson's way. I don't think uh, otherwise it would have yielded in the goal. Maybe Buki would have had it covered. The angle would have been different. So, um, yeah, that was a good response. And uh, Matthias, I assume you did not see Pischek scoring the winner like that, even though he has done that before in Mainz.
1: Yeah, it, it took it took somebody else mentioning it for me to go. Oh, yeah, that's right. But no, and nobody expected that. But I am so happy for him. You know, one old guy to another. Uh, it's it's great to see him score score a really nice goal, um, and just the I, I would say the 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 soldier, the trooper, the the hard worker of the side. In the sense of he's been there now for so many years. Uh, been through the highs and the lows over the last, was it now, 10 years or so. And it was great to see him score for the first time And I think, somebody said 21 months. So uh, that was that was fantastic, getting the winner. But it needed a, a shot like that to, to get three points out of this. And, you know, touching on your point with Goetze, here on the feed here in the U.S., they had Patrick Ovomoyela. Uh, as part of the commentary team who I actually don't mind on the commentary team especially I can say Dol-
0: though, that, that weirds me out because uh, Ovomoyela is on the payroll of Borussia Dortmund so having him on any sort of commentary feed always irks me because he is on the payroll of a club, so he is not neutral and that's annoying it's the same with, uh, I think Lutz Fanch is his name, who is uh, playing some role for Hoffenheim it's also quite weird, but okay, continue, sorry. Well,
1: and, oh, well, they've also had Kevin McKenna on Köln matches and he was a youth or reserve coach for Köln at the same time. So it was kind of weird that while he's coaching, he could do this. But anyway... And I don't mind Moyela just because he's a homer. So you know, when Funschti commentates a Dortmund match, it's always definitely anti-Dortmund flavor uh, underneath that, and that's probably because of the issues between Dortmund supporters and Hoffenheim. But be that as it may, he he made one comment about Gutze that makes sense. He said, you know, Gutza up top is great, but it's almost like he has to unlearn the instincts he's had over X number of seasons in the sense of there were moments when Gutsa, it probably would have been better if he would have shot on target instead of looking for that extra pass and looking for it to play a teammate. And I think that's what Uwe Moila was referring to in the sense of you're not a number 10 playmaker, you're asked to be a number 9. And those are the instances where I believe someone like Paco Alcázar would have shot on target versus trying to play a pass because he has that natural instinct of being a little bit more selfish, so to speak, uh, as a striker. And I think Götze still still maybe has to relearn that, as it were, because I think in youth he did play striker a number of times. Uh, he just has to get back to it because it's asking something different from him than what he's been used to and asked to do over the last five, six, seven years.
0: Yeah, he's certainly one of these uh, let's walk the ball into the net sort of players and um it's it's um I guess interesting that you mentioned that because Lucien Favre obviously is a coach who um says shoot whenever you have an opening and uh you know we all know he prefers an uncontested shot over um trying to walk it in or a close rate shot that is contested where there's potential, uh, you know, someone blocking it. So yeah, Guts just needs to pull the trigger a little bit more often there. But, um, overall, I, I thought he, he, he played well. Um, given that it's not easy for any number nine in Mainz. And, um, yeah, of course, happy for Marco Royce to get another, um, assist in, in this game. Um, I think right now we see how important he is, even though if he, he is maybe not entirely at the top of his, game anymore just because I guess he's getting a little bit tired but nevertheless um yeah he is just a pivot in on on that number 10 and of course as as we already mentioned Lukas Piszczek um really going through a patch of of good form um in recent weeks maybe the entire November was pretty good for him um I know he has taken a lot of flack from me but right now he's playing really well um and that's that's uh, very positive to see. So um Matthias We certainly have to talk not only about you know that Dortmund win in Mainz because there's a lot of context <laughs> around this game just because um Dortmund you know dragged this result over the finish line so to speak and at the same time another team in the south of Germany could not Drag it over the finish line. Uh, Bayern Munich <laughs> conceding in stoppage time against Fortuna Düsseldorf. In a 3-all draw. Uh, Luke scoring a hat-trick. And I gotta say, Matthias, I've been really surprised by this result. Um, first of all, just because Bayern were 3-1 up. And at this point, you would assume they would just finish it. But also, you know, they lost the way to Dortmund 3-2. And Wagner had the big mouth obviously, but you would think that I don't know if Düsseldorf were last place or um don't, I don't I don't know, but they've been select a couple of times and you would just assume that Bayern would just walk over them like they did against Benfica. Um but here we are now nine points ahead of Bayern Munich and yeah. Bayern losing points to to Düsseldorf is this? I I don't know. Is this the moment of the season where you can say you should not concern yourself with Bayern anymore? Uh, teams like Gladbach, Leipzig, or uh, Frankfurt, of course, are more of a concern for Dortmund. Or do you th- do you still think that Bayern can turn the season around?
1: Well, I think in some degree Bayern will turn their season around. You just have to think about the likes of um Thiago Coman, Toliso, you know, them becoming more healthy over time. Uh I think the the results will come for Bayern, but I do agree with you that Dortmund shouldn't worry about Bayern. They should just worry about themselves. Get get your own stuff done. Um, I don't necessarily believe that Frankfurt and Gladbach will keep up this pace throughout the season. Um, but I'd be happy to be proven wrong. I think it's super refreshing that those two clubs are up there playing the way they are, especially Frankfurt. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's the, the Revier Derby still coming up, and that's a big deal. That could be a make-or-break match for Schalke's season. As far as, are they still going to somehow turn it around and push for, for Europe? Or is are they just going to be a mid-table side this season? So, I think I wouldn't worry about Bayern at this point. Obviously, you still have to play Bayern. Uh, and you have to go through the cycle of all the different teams again. Because it's still early, even though it's almost halfway point of the season. Um, but yeah, I at this point, Bayern wouldn't is not... Dortmund's biggest primary concern, the biggest primary concern, are obviously the clubs that are right, right behind them.
0: Yeah, were you, were you surprised that Bayern ate that very late equalizer?
1: Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, there was... <laughs> when I saw Bayern are up 3-1, I just happened to see it on, on my phone, on the Kicker app. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, fair enough. It's off, and they're going to get their three points. And then when I saw comments like, oh, you got to check out the Bayern result, and I saw it, I couldn't help but laugh because I wasn't expecting it, but it's kind of symptomatic of what Bayern have been in the Bundesliga this season. Um, And then them coming back and beating the crap out of Benfica, who were honestly, uh, the manager's been under pressure for a long period of time, so it's not like that was a very, very difficult Benfica side to beat. But uh, it's... It's it's a result to drive Bayern forward, but we've seen it before. They've played well, and then they they screw it up because you shouldn't you should not be giving up the winner when you have a two goal advantage that late, especially if you're Bayern, and especially if the opposition is called Fortuna Düsseldorf.
0: Yeah, and this is maybe why the Bundesliga season is so interesting because Bayern are for is not consistent. And um, maybe it's fair to draw a couple of parallels to the situation there in and uh Dortmund under Peter Bosch. Um not because I mean Bayern yes they started really well and then paled off, but it's more about I, I guess the uh, just Danima that you know Bayern looked like world beaters in the first half against Dortmund as well, but in the second half they just were completely physically tired and um this is something we saw from Dortmund a lot under Peter Bosch that they were just cooked after like 70 minutes and also just how easy it is to score against them. Uh, Dusseldorf just had I think two or three just long balls basically and that was enough to to run past the defenders and that's of course happened to Dortmund as well last season if we only think back to that 4-2 loss away to Hanover Um so, it's it's a weird one, I, and and whenever you you see something like that happen, I always feel like there's not enough cohesion in in the team when defenders are getting caught out like that, especially against Düsseldorf. Um, should not happen at all, but it did anyway. And uh, yeah, I I really hope this 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 sort of continues because it's also just fun. Um, I don't know if you saw the tweet of Malte um, toward Matsumils, but he was like, Dear Matsummels, um, sorry that you, uh, conceded right after coming on. Uh, can I ask you if you're still sick or something like that? <laughs> there was a nice little zinger. Um, anyway, we have to talk briefly about the Champions League game. Um, I was there and I caught myself streaming a lot of the, uh, Liverpool against PSG match and watching that because, uh, there was, there were just not a lot of events. Um, but Matthias, from a American perspective, Christian Pulisic in the starting lineup yet again, uh, he has not started the game in the Bundesliga since September, since that Leverkusen game. But in the Champions League, he is, uh, getting the trust of the coach. Um, what do you make of his performance? Uh, had the best chance, I guess, in the first half next to Marco Royce, but fluffed that one, had a couple of good dribbles, but ultimately the end product was just not there. Um, Roman Bürki, after the game was really disappointed and said that, you know, the, the, the quick guys should have created more in such a game. Or, um, would it be unfair to say that Pulisic needs to deliver more in this particular game?
1: I don't think it's unfair. I think Pulisic has been woefully under form, uh, in my opinion. I'm not the total homer American media that thinks he needs to go to Chelsea or Liverpool to get more playing time, because I think anybody who has two brain cells can figure out that if he's not going to get playing time for Dortmund, he's probably not going to start ahead of Mo Salah or Eden Hazard. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um Be that as it may, I think he should have done more with his opportunities. Uh, There's a reason why Favre isn't playing him in the Bundesliga, because obviously, I'm not going to say they're trying to throw away the Champions League. That's not the case, but the chances of winning the Champions League are pretty slim overall, whereas right now the chance of winning the Bundesliga is pretty high. So... That's a priority, obviously, getting through to the next round, which Daltmund now have done, which was priority number one in the group, is get to the next round, and then we'll see. Um, but I wouldn't put it all on Pulisic. It was a tough match in the sense of Booga had no interest in doing anything. Uh, I mean, Daltmund had the vast majority possession, had the vast majority of shots. Um, it was... It was honest. I'm not going to say it was embarrassing for Brugge, but Brugge, if Brugge would have come out to win, they still could have qualified for the next round. I mean, it it's mathematically possible if they beat Dortmund and then they win the next match and Dortmund lays an egg, Brugge would have been second and through to the next round. They just kind of went and said, "Well, let's just make sure we don't lose and let's advance in the Europa League," which is against how I believe a sporting competition should be approached. You play to win the game, uh, not to not concede too many. And Brügge, I think, are lucky that they didn't lose. I think they deserve to lose, just on the merit of how they played. And it was boring. In German, we have that saying, Fußball zum Abgewohnen. You know, football to make you not want to watch football, essentially. If, If an American who always is a naysayer about football and all always about the NFL and the NBA, and you'd convince him to watch a football match, and you forced the poor guy to watch this game, he would have gone, "Oh yeah, sure, it's so entertaining. It was a bad match, uh, but Dortmund got what they needed, and at the end of the day, that's fine. Just move on.
0: Well, you see... It's interesting to, to see, a that, that, uh, Bruges can stifle Dortmund like that. Um, Marco Roy said that after the game that, you know, it's certainly on their to-do list to create more out of their own possession if teams play very defensively. And I think that will become very relevant, uh, in one week when Bruce and Dortmund play away to Gelsenkirchen, because I don't think that Tedesco will, uh, you know, send his men <laughs> the on the attacking foot. So um, I think we already got a pretty good taste of how the derby could look like. And at the same time, it's just also Dortmund knowing they just needed the point to qualify. Um, and you've seen it a lot this season that Dortmund start very slow. First half is like, meh. And then after 70 minutes, they uh, you know have finally tired out their opponents and then click into a higher gear and then find the goals and create chance after chance and that was just not happening um and they just stayed in that first gear And I just want to say there were not a lot of runs made so not a lot of movement where you could you know beat this defense and I think if Dortmund really wanted with and played with urgency they would have easily won this game because Bruges cannot defend that well and uh, secondly it was interesting let's say to see that the player like Dahoud and and others would just hardly ever go for a vertical ball when the run was made. Uh, it's not like it was completely static as Dortmund away to Atlético. Um, there were more attempts to run into space and in behind the defense, but these opp- opportunities were just missed um, almost all the time, and that's uh, a bit worrying. But I don't know if that was just the mindset of the game, like guys. Let's not play with any risk here. Let's just keep the ball and, and hope something will happen at some point for us. Um, maybe Dortmund are just a little bit too comfortable knowing that they will score because I think they've scored at least twice in every home game so far. So yeah, it was just one of those games, if you will. And, uh, it's interesting, of course, to see now if Dortmund can kick into a higher gear on uh, Saturday against Freiburg because you need to, um, obviously beat them and, win and add another 3 points if you want to win the championship you can't just drop points to to Freiburg at home but um just a couple of points on that Bruce match even though it was completely boring um i thought there's also that giant positive that Roman Bürki did not have to make a single save and um that Marco Reus and Lucas Pischek both hustle back to win the ball in, in their own half for example that uh, you know, Dortmund on the other side of the ball were extremely sharp and prepared to, to go the extra mile, so to speak, to, to make t- tackles, to, to challenge and to protect their own goal. And, you know, so often it happens that in, in such a game, you concede the sucker punch counterattack and Dortmund just did not allow that at all. Um, Bruce had maybe one half chance or so, but nothing major and this is certainly a positive and really shows the transformation because last season Dortmund would have never went out of this game without not conceding or at least having a couple of very you know flimsy moments around their own goal and at this time even though you know offensively it wasn't really perfect defensively they were more than solid and that is also very positive deck take- takeaway because we all know defense wins championships. So Matthias, with that in mind, um how are Dortmund approaching the Freiburg game? Do you think we will see them uh in a yeah in a different setting or do you think that their struggles, attacking struggles of the recent weeks where they have not scored a lot of goals, you know, the 1-0 against Wolfsburg, and then of course, you know, a scrappy two one win against Mainz and so on and so forth. Um, also at Um, do you think that will continue?
1: I don't. I don't. You know. I mean, the difference between Sandro Schwarz and Christian Streich is maybe that Streich is a little bit more adventurous in these moments and and likes to sometimes open up, which helps Dortmund significantly. And so uh, I think we'll still see an intensive match. We'll see pressing. We'll see see a certain physicality from Freiburg, but I don't think they'll be quite as disciplined defensively as Mainz or as Brügge or Bruges, however you want to call it. Um, so I think there will be more opportunities for Dortmund, but clearly they need they need that little bit of chance creation and movement. Um, but I do believe it'll be, I'm not going to say easier, no Bundesliga match is easy, uh, unless it's Nuenbach apparently, but I, I, I foresee it being not quite as difficult for Dortmund to get scoring opportunities as it was against uh, Bruges or
0: in particular against Mainz. I mean, if we sp- speak about openness and scoring opportunities, the uh, one-all draw between uh, Freiburg and Bremen um, last weekend was a very open match, and I think produced a record of shots. And uh, I was really, uh, I don't, I don't know how to put it, but I think Schwolo and, and Pavlenka were like the the men of the the game basically. Both just because they made so many good saves and it was, um, a real head scratcher to me why this game finished in just, you know, a two goal tie. <laughs> this should have been more, uh, way more. Um, so I think we're gonna have an exciting game and, um, I also think that Freiburg pose a bigger threat offensively than, than many other teams coming to the Westfalen Stadion. Um, I think that Luca Waldschmidt, uh, since joining from HSV, has taken an immense development and uh, is a playmaker that can score goals. And it's not to be taken lightly. Um To me, he is—I don't know—just very elusive, and I like to watch him these days. So that's certainly something to to look at. And uh, of course, there's this overlying question: if coaches may have figured out Favres football a little bit because, you know, recently we haven't seen too many great adjustments and Dortmund have struggled to create chances because of the way how opponents lined up. We certainly saw it in Mainz and I just don't think that uh, Streich is a is the kind of coach that uh, wouldn't find a way to stifle Dortmund. But then again, Dortmund are still very much a transition team and uh, with Freiburg playing maybe a little bit more advanced that will give them uh, space to create. I feel like this is going to be a game, maybe a bit similar to the one against Augsburg where, uh, can get a little bit crazy. I don't know what, what you think, but, um, yeah, this is certainly that sort of match, I think. And, um, follow up question. Um, do you think this is the sort of game where, um, Favre should give Marco Reus a rest? Because as I said, he looks a little bit tired and, uh, you want to have him at full force for the Revier derby, or is he just too important? Because I think so far he has started every game, except for the Düsseldorf one, of course.
1: Yeah, I think he should get a rest. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he should get a rest, but I don't think he will get a rest. is Is my opinion. I think Favre, um, as as I'm a little surprised he hasn't rotated more. Uh, to be honest. I think Royce will start. I personally wouldn't. I would like to see him on the bench. And if he needs to come on, maybe put him on. Um, but I I believe Favre will probably start him.
0: Yeah, this is actually a good game for Shinji Kagawa. Um, if you ask me if he needs uh, to rotate on a 10, I would maybe even play Götze and Kagawa up top as, uh, you know, Kagawa is a ten and then God says a nine this could go horribly, horribly wrong. But also um these two when they when they uh you know start to combine, it can be fun. Um usually it isn't. <laughs> if I think something works out, then it usually doesn't. Um I think a lot of other people feel the same if they you know finally see the lineup they were hoping for, then you know, it's a dull affair. Um I'm certainly not the only one there. But um Yeah, in terms of rotation, this is something I would uh, like to see. I also don't know if if uh, Favre should start Alcacer or not. Um, this is obviously always a big question because off the bench he is more effective so far by far than uh, when he is starting. Um, but I also don't don't see how um if you have your number one striker um how you're not playing him from the start and and hoping that he will you know gain more rhythm. You know, whenever he is fit enough to do that. So um, I still would play him from from the beginning. Or do you think that his value off the bench just outweighs, um, you know, the the long term thinking here?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I kind of. I think I either said it or I tweeted it after the last match. You should never start a match ever for Dortmund. Only come on with thirty minutes left and keep a scoring rate of scoring once every what twenty seven minutes in the Bundesliga. Um I, I I'd I'd come off the bench. I, I don't know exactly where other players are with fitness. I think didn't uh, Favre say everyone is fit right now?
0: Well I think he, he drew a question mark behind uh Marcel Schmelzer. Uh Wolf might also be out with some knee thing, but you know, that doesn't really matter. I'm um, the good thing if, if anyone missed it, um, because, uh, to Diallo and uh, Axel Witzel to be subbed off with cramps against Bruges, um, they are both fine and they should be able to play, even though I'm not sure if they should play, um, if, I mean, if Schmelzer is ready, play him or play Hakimi, um, and, and keep check on the right, um, because I, I don't think that Diallo is the best option on the left side and, um, we haven't mentioned him yet on this episode, but then Axel Zagadou is in really stellar form next to Akanji. I-, I think right now this is the best center-back pairing for Dortmund, um, as much as it <laughs> you know, might be uncomfortable to say about what did Diallo cost, 28 million or so. But um yeah, Zagadou is um, just playing well. He is keeping the composure, and right now he's also just the uh, best passer from the back and creates most chances that way. So, um, I would keep him definitely in, in that lineup next to Akanji. I think this is working out well. They are gelling finally. Um, what would you make out of the situational lineup at the back? Would it be Schmelzer, Pisek, Akanji and, and Zagadu, or would you play another way? Would you put in Hakimi but in there? If-
1: if everyone is fit, uh, I would go with what you suggested. If not, then, yeah, I'd, I'd throw in Hakimi, obviously with Diallo on the bench, uh, in case Hakimi is tired or gets exposed too much, because Diallo is a little bit more solid defensively, doesn't offer quite as much going forward. And I agree with you. Zagadou is playing absolutely fantastic. Akanji as well. Uh, I think there was a, a counterattack from Mainz, Uh, where Akanji's positioning in a one-on-one situation was just a joy to behold. And in general, his positioning, his awareness, where to be, when to be is, is fantastic to watch. It's something that really doesn't get talked about a lot on TV during the match, but when you're watching it, it it's, it's a very, very solid center back pairing. And I think it, it contributes a lot to the fact that Roman Buki is playing like he did two seasons ago versus last season. And it shows again that Buki has always been an extremely good keeper. Last season, the reason why he didn't play well is because, well, Nobody did, and the back line didn't play well, and it was always in flux and changing, and I've always maintained if a keeper doesn't have trust in his back line, he's going to risk more, meaning he's going to make more mistakes. And now we see it, Bjorki, again, solid in the back, doesn't have to make a lot of, uh, let's call it riskier calls coming on or off the line or or his positioning. So he's much more comfortable to do what he does best, and he does it very, very well.
0: I mean, it's also very rare these days that Dortmund's own penalty area is really on fire and there's panic everywhere, and uh, players are just being caught ball-watching and making weird runs uh, out of play and not knowing where they are and who they are and who their opponent is and uh, who they're playing, what the score is, what the time is, what the day is. And all that kind of thing we saw a lot of, uh, you know, too, too many times last season. Um, just overall, that's what I was looking forward when, uh, Lucien Favre got appointed that Dortmund would just, uh, show up their defense. And, uh, sure enough, they did. Obviously, the changes in personnel have had, um, I'm not missing Socrates any one bit, to be honest. Um, you know, the fact that we're talking about Diallo, um, being the third choice for the center back position is quite amazing because I think he's a really good center back and doing extremely well whenever he's playing. So it's not like it's a decision against him rather for someone else, as coaches usually like to say, but that's just how how it is. So um this is at least, you know, a very nice I, I guess overall from a fan's perspective and especially from a journalist's perspective because, you know, the less craziness you have the better. So, um, that helps, even though Domon, of course, had a couple of crazy affairs, as uh, previously mentioned this season, but, uh, he has to hope that, uh, it won't be that crazy. Um, and Mainz, of course, uh, Mainz, Freiburg, of course, are, are very much beatable. Um, who do you see if you look at that Mainz team, though, as, as, um, you know, the standout players? I already mentioned Waldschmidt. Do you think that Gondor or Haberer in, in midfields, um, you know, have that little special something. How do you see Pascal Stenzel, Pascal Stenzel if you, if you watch them? Um, and, and overall, do you think it's the classic Freiburg team that's, you know, the, where the sum of its parts is better than the parts?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, Waldschmidt has been fantastic. And obviously he was very much targeted by Freiburg to get him from Hamburg where he you know he underperformed at Hamburg he underperformed at, at Frankfurt given the talent that he's reported to have he's he's shining through um i think Schvello is a, a good keeper and it, it again it's that like you said the typical streich freiburg side where the collective is what does it the the discipline the i guess lack of superstars um where it's built around the team and the type of players that that Streich needs for his system. So I wouldn't, aside from talking about Waldschmidt, just because I feel like he's, he's the player, he's becoming the player we always thought he could be. Um, there's nobody that I would say, Oh, they stand out amazingly from the rest rather than just the whole team is impressive again under Christian Streich. It's like, uh, same old, same old with him in Freiburg. And it's fantastic to say that.
0: Yeah, what I find, um, very interesting is that there, the team in the Bundesliga with the least amount of possession. I would have never guessed that, honestly, because I always associate Freiburg with a very, um, yeah, ball-heavy team, or at least a team that, that wants to have the ball. I mean, we all know that, uh, that line from Streich, mir wolle de ball habe, <laughs> with his uh, very thick, um, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Schwarzwälder accent. <laughs> um but yeah uh so we want to have the ball in translation if I miss that um but not not so much this time and i I really do wonder why because when I watch freiburg, I see a team that can be comfortable on the ball, but uh maybe they i don't know sit deeper I don't know i need maybe I should have invited a freiburg expert who could have explained that to me because I don't know, I really don't do you have do you yeah, have an
1: explanation? Uh, no. I, I don't have the Freiburg insights as to why they've decided to change. I'm assuming it has to do with personnel and what Streich sees is working versus what's not working, but I'm not deep enough into Freiburg to make that kind of a judgment
0: call. All right, fair enough. Um I mean Freiburg are 11th right now and they're pretty average with uh you know just three wins five draws and, and, and four losses. Um but they're ranking above Bayer Leverkusen, believe it or not, who are twelve right now and of course of course three points ahead of Schalke. Um so if we look at this match day Matthias, um what are the uh, the the games that stick out to you? Just got to pull it up here real quick. <laughs> um, well,
1: uh, hold on. I need to get past the second. There we are. Well, I mean, obviously, you got to look at Bremen Bayern, uh, see how Bayern react after an embarrassing draw against Düsseldorf Bremen that are seemingly in free fall uh, after a great start. Really haven't been great ever since. I do expect Bayern to win there. Uh, can Stuttgart do anything? Um. To me, the most interesting matches are, of course, Hoffenheim-Schalke and Leipzig-Gladbach. Um, Leipzig and Hoffenheim coming off of very disappointing European performances, where uh, Leipzig couldn't beat the other franchise club um, from Red Bull uh, out of Salzburg. Schalke... Trying to get momentum back. That obviously they lost um, in Europe midweek, but they trounced noon So what are they? But Hoffenheim are very, very dangerous, and I think it's set up personally for a Hoffenheim win. Um, and Leipzig Gladbach. Who knows? It could be uh, those two matches. Well, especially Leipzig-Gladbach could be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of attacking and pressing and fireworks in that one. Hoffenheim-Schalke, obviously the other one to see. Sticker twist, who goes which way. Frankfurt-Wolfsburg could also be good, but I just think Frankfurt are too good for Wolfsburg right now.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Frankfurt will just overpower Wolfsburg, that this is going to be like a 3-1 or so. Um, But yeah, Leipzig against Gladbach is... Very interesting because Leipzig in, in recent games have been extremely solid defensively, at least in the Bundesliga. Um, and, uh, have not been that, you know, much outgoing as, as they used to be, um, going forward. But Gladbach have, you know, been the sort of team that, that creates just a lot of chances and, I really don't know which way this this game is going. I, I actually favor Gladbach just because they are well-rested and Leipzig probably won't be. Um But, I mean, for Dortmund, this is also just very Im- Im- important because Gladbach are the closest team right now to them. And if Leipzig, you know, manage to, to get a point, also that would be just ideal to, to get even more separation because Dortmund obviously still have to play in Gladbach at the at the end of the season. And you know the the week before the derby, the uh you know Hoffenheim Schalke match is certainly very interesting. Um Hoffenheim and Schalke are also two clubs that don't like each other, two teams that do not like each other, and there is usually always a lot of kicking going on. And uh maybe there will be a red card here and there or an injury. You never know. And um Hoffenheim have been you know, sort of a very wild side so far this season. They have, you know, high scoring lines, concede a lot, score a lot, and they're just not very solid. Uh, Nagelsmann is, you know, more often they're not upset with his team and how they concede the goals. Um, I think they had a two goal lead over, um, Berlin at the weekend, but then, uh, yeah, blew it in the game and it 3-3, something you, did sort of not expect but then also you did and then of course they had that last second loss against Shakhtar Donetsk in the in the Champions League, which means they are now um I think out of it. I don't know if they maybe they can still make the Euroleague, but they will certainly not qualify. Um so this to me certainly is also a game one should watch. But yeah, that that Sunday will will mean a lot for Dortmund. But first of course they will have to beat Freiburg uh you know If not, this match day, is going to suck either way. So, Matthias, uh, without any further ado, I think it's time to predict um, that game against Streichsmen.
1: I think uh, Dortmund are going to win. I think they're going to win three goals to one.
0: Damn it, that was also my prediction. But I also said this is going to be a crazy one, so I'm going to say uh, a 4-2 win for Dortmund. Um. I think there's going to be some drama and in the end Dortmund get maybe one more counterattack. um looking at at Freiburg I think they will create a lot of chances but somehow they they will probably manage again to to botch it you never know but uh Höhler really uh, didn't look like the sort of player that can beat Roman Bürki uh, maybe I, I jinxed it now but uh yeah a lot of head scratches from Freiburg how they had so many promising opportunities and not finishing them and I think they will have a couple against Dortmund. But yeah, in the end, it's going to be a crazy match, I think. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, I'm going with a 4-2 win. And people out there, um make your predictions. You know why. Um So, Matthias, I guess we can knock it on the head here and uh, say goodbye. So please tell Peeps your Twitter handle.
1: Yo peeps. Um <laughs> my Twitter <laughs> handle is at Matiasuk.
0: Very well. You can find me at stefan Botsko and uh, all of us on yellowwallpot.com. At Yellow World Pod, and Facebook is also Yellow World Pod, is where you should send us our predictions. And please name the game that you are predicting. Thank you very much. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. though it's not an English week, but still easier for me to keep up. And uh, yeah, that should be it. You can subscribe to our show on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And if you want to contribute on Patreon, please do that on uh, patreon.com slash theyellowwall. And that is all from us for now. Until next week, where we have to preview that big reveal derby. Goodbye.